Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from Neo Technology, and I must confess I feel very, very guilty now because this is the first time that I've been recording a podcast in 2017, so Happy New Year, in spite of the fact that it's Valentine's Day. Um, but yeah, I've been slacking a little bit, but I want to you know, bring the podcast back to life, and uh, I've lined up a bunch of people to help me with that. Um, and today I've invited someone who I've only met like two weeks ago at the FOSDEM conference in Brussels, and that's uh, Gabor Sarnias uh, from Budapest. Hi, Gabor. Hi, Rick. Hey. Nice uh, to be here. Thank you for joining me. It's uh, it's uh, it was a great time meeting you in uh, in Brussels uh, over some uh, some Brussels beer. Um, but yeah, we 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 talked to each other about your work, and and I thought it would be great uh, to have you on the podcast. So my first question is going to be: Who are you, and what do you do, <laughs> and what's your relationship to the wonderful world of graphs? Okay, so I'm a researcher at Budapest University of Technology and Economics, and also visiting researcher at McGill University in Canada. Now I'm working on finalizing my PhD, so hopefully I will be finished it within a year or a half. Uh -huh. And I work basically on graph-related topics in my PhD. Oh, very cool. And don't forget, you share another passion with me. Yeah, I'm also a cyclist. <laughs> yes, exactly. So yeah. I, I started road cycling three years ago and it absolutely, you know, wondered me. I really like cycling. Same, same and that's my main passion. Same for me. We have a couple of other graphistas that are super passionate about cycling, so we'll have to we'll have to do a ride sometime. But tell us a little I bit agree. more about uh, your your work with uh, graphs. You know, what's it all about? What, what what's your PhD about, and what are you what are you working on? Okay, so my PhD revolves around three topics that are related to graphs. The first one is how to incrementally query graphs. So imagine that you have a complex query and you have a huge graph. Now, obviously, it's very difficult to evaluate a query on the graph at a very short amount of time. So basically, as a workaround, we do incremental queries, which means that if your graph changes slightly, then we maintain the result set. And this is useful for a number of scenarios. You can use it for static analysis of code bases. You can use it for runtime modeling. You can use it for fraud detection and so on. There are many use cases that present this scenario. The second topic of my PhD is how to benchmark an incremental graph query engine, because obviously once you have an incremental graph query engine, you would like to have some feedback on its performance, and you would like to use that to continuously improve your query engine. Oh, yeah. So with my research group, we designed and implemented a framework that allows the users to do just that, compare incremental graph query solutions to each other and to other competitors. And that, the third is, one... Is yes? that related to the LDBC work, uh, the, the Linked Data Benchmarking Council? Is that related to that? So basically, they have similar goals. Uh, I was actually in Waldorf last week at the LDBC Technical User Community Meeting. Mm -hmm. And LDBC has a couple of benchmarks but currently none of those covers uh, incremental graph queries and complex uh, graph pattern matching. Okay. I talked to the LDBC guys and also attended the talks, and it seemed that there will be a new LDBC benchmark which will have a similar goal 
than my benchmark. And that will be called the business intelligence workload for the social network benchmark. And the problem with that is that it's not yet ready. So I talked to its core developer, Alexa Verbuch, and he said that it will be ready within half a year, but they are still heavily working on it. But you were said that you had three goals, right? You you had the incremental yeah. queries and then the benchmarking. And what was the third one? The third one is closely related to network theory. So network theory is something that came up in the late 90s and the early notes when people started to analyze a graph. So they took a graph of people where the notes were the people in a community and the relationships were if they were friends or not. Or they took the graph of the World Wide Web, where the nodes were the web pages, and the relationships were the links between the web pages. So they took all these graphs and started to analyze them, and they derived very interesting properties, chief among which was the scale-free property of graphs. There are many papers on scale-free networks, and they discovered that is very common in biology, in sociology, also in uh, physics and other does sciences. Scale-free networks, what does that mean? So basically, scale-free network means that the degree distribution of the nodes follow the so-called power law. So you have very few central hubs. And basically, if you remove these hubs from the network, then your network will break down to smaller components. And they discovered that this is how uh, societies are organized, this is how citation networks work, and this is how uh, power grids work as well. Oh, wow. So it's like a universal structural characteristic of, 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 of lots of networks. Yes, lots of networks. Obviously, you cannot apply to all of, all of the networks, but it was um, a very big surprise to the scientists who worked on it that a lot of networks exhibited this property. Okay. So how does my PhD research relate to that? Well, interestingly, there wasn't much work performed on typed graphs. So if you see a Neo4j graphs, you obviously see that you don't only have people and websites and books, but you have all these in a single graph. So you have a typed graph and they also have different uh, relationships between them. And only in the last five to 10 years have been uh, their research about how to characterize these graphs. These have many interesting names. So some people call them the multiplex networks, others call them the multidimensional networks or multi-layered networks. Analyzing these is very tricky because obviously you have another dimension of complexity by having to deal with all the types of the nodes and relationships in the graphs. But it's kind of a green area and you can do a lot of interesting work in it. I actually applied it to engineering models. So my research group works in model-driven engineering and there are engineering models for software, hardware, you know, state machines, uh, system design, and so on. And basically, we took all these models and analyzed them, and we looked for some interesting properties. Wow. Um, you know, we didn't find any 
like huge results. So we didn't find that these models are scale-free or they follow some very famous distribution. But we did have some interesting results on how to characterize these models. Wow, very cool. So um, could you tell us a little bit more about you know how you got into uh, how, how do you got into the graph uh, business or the graph uh, science, uh, if if I if I may call it that way? You know, what, 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 how, how did you get into it and why did you get into it? Okay, well that's an interesting um, question. I think it started in 2011 when I have had to pick my first individual research topic at my university. And my roommate suggested that I should give a try to NoSQL databases. I was already very interested in anything that's related to databases, relational or not. So I started to work on NoSQL databases. And then I soon discovered Neo4j and the property graph data model. And I think what really struck me is how intuitive the graph data model is. There is actually a paper by Marco Rodriguez, who was the implementer of the Tinkerpop framework. Yeah, yeah. And he said that graphs are very intuitive because they describe the way that people use when thinking about the word. So people tend to use, tend to abstract the word as things that are somehow connected, and you can perfectly describe this with graph nodes and graph relationships. So this is something I really like about graphs, and that's something that you also mentioned in this podcast, I think, a couple of times, yeah, that totally. you can you can um, use a whiteboard and then just start uh, brainstorming and having ideas and drawing a graph, and you can use pretty much the same graph in your applications as well. I, I always, so that's my I favorite joke. thing. Jokingly, I always talk about my own acronym, uh, which is WiddyWiz. What you draw is what you store. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a catchy acronym, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I, it's a, it's a total. Um, you know, it's been repeated so many times on on this podcast, but uh, it is a very big strength of graphs, right? It's the the model is so intuitive and so uh, descriptive, so rich, really. Um, that makes that makes a whole lot of difference, right? So I, I I'm reading that you that's also how you got into it, right? That, that's also why you think it's, it's, it's very valuable. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so basically, after I got a bit familiar with the topic, I started my master's at the university. And already during my master's, I was working on the incremental query engine that I'm still working on today. So it's quite a long project. I've been yeah. doing it for five plus years. Wow. And, you know, I really liked my experience during the master, so I joined the PhD, and I just finished PhD school three weeks ago, so now it's only, <laughs> thank you, so it's only up to me to publish some more papers and polish the dissertation. Very, very so, so what does the future hold, Gabor? You know, where, where is it going for you personally? Where's your research taking you? But also, you know, how do you look at this taking ground in, uh, in the broader industry? You know? What, what does the future hold if you'd have a crystal ball? So I would really like to be an academic. I really enjoy working at university because you have uh, so many positive experiences with students. You can pretty much follow your own dreams and do research in almost whatever interests you the most. Obviously, you have to fit within your 
grant proposals and your funding, but this still gives you a lot of way to be creative. And I would like to be a university lecturer and researcher in the future. So that's my kind of dream career. And is it and, lecturing yeah. and, and teaching about graphs then, or, or is it uh, on a broader topic, or is it computer science, or what, what, what will be the topic then, or topics? Well, I'm pretty much happy to teach anything related to computer science, so I taught um, topics from database theory to automaton theory, system modeling, and software engineering topics, and also some laboratories on actual technologies. So. Our university is a bit of a mix between computer science and computer engineering. So we teach both theoretical and practical stuff. And this is something that I also really enjoy. Super. And, and what about, you know, the, world, the wonderful world of graphs and graph databases? Is there anything like that in your future, you think? Um, yes. Yeah, so I really would like to get a version of my graph query engine that can be used by other researchers. I obviously understand that implementing production-grade software is not really possible within the limits of uh, a PhD, but I would like to release a system that can be used at least by other researchers, both in academia and both in industry. I talked to a lot of people about this, and it seemed that people would actually be interested in trying such a system or benchmarking such a system and see how it works for their use cases. Super. So final question, what's your favorite cycling destination? Ooh, that's a tricky question. Um, <laughs> Curve but actually, <laughs> it's, it's not a very common answer. Uh, I live next to the Hungarian-Austrian border. Okay. So I do go a lot to Austria because... Austria has like the best roads in Europe and also most of the country is the Alps. So I live next to the lower Alps section, but even there you have very nice hills and, you know, drivers are really polite and you have this super flat tarmac all over, over the country. And that's what I really enjoy. And I'm really looking forward to the summer. So I just usually disappear from the university for yeah. a couple of weeks. <laughs> And then go home and Excellent. cycle. So no cobblestones for you, no like Flanders classics or something like um, that. <laughs> I actually really like riding the pavés. So I live in the inner historical district of Budapest, yeah. and we still have a lot of cobblestone roads. Yeah, yeah. And when I just started cycling in Budapest, just you know to get to work and commute, yeah. I usually tended to avoid those sections. But you know, since I'm more into cycling, I just go for the most cobblestone sections. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that you learn to enjoy, or at least you yeah, think yeah, exactly. you enjoy it. Very, very cool. All right, so well, I hope we get to ride one day together. That would be great. Uh, and and yeah, I really great. enjoyed uh, this uh, conversation. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, I look forward to uh, meeting you again someday at Falsdem or somewhere else. Thank you for an invitation, and we should definitely go for a ride. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Gabor. Thanks. Bye.